book of Philippians chapter 1. I want to start reading at the first verse. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Here's the verse I want to get to. I want you to pay close attention. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he that has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let's read that passage together. Just keep that up. Let's read it together. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Holy Ghost, just speak through us this morning and do what you want to do. We just simply yield ourselves to you for your power and glory, for you to do in this heart and life of your people what you desire in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I, wanna, I'm, I am real excited. I don't know if you are, but I am. I, I am extremely excited about what the Lord is doing in this hour. I believe it is the greatest day to be upon the planet. I think we're in the beginning of the greatest move of God that the earth has ever, ever seen. It's going to be unlike anything that we have ever seen before. And, and yet we can't make it up. All we can do is just yield ourselves to the Lord and say, God, I am ready and I am available for you. I'm excited about what God is doing right here in our church. Okay, I can tell you all ain't paying attention. I am real excited about what God is doing right here in our church. We have been declaring that we are stepping in to this new. Matter of fact, months ago, Pastor Val spoke a word over us. And he said that we had completed the steps of a, of a thousand how uh, the journey of a thousand steps. Thank you. He has to correct me on all that because I get it back to front never which way. But so if we've completed that, then we are stepping into a new part of the journey and we are in new steps. Last week, if you were here, I think it may have been Wednesday night. We began to declare that we are in the new. This is the eighth month. The number eight means new beginnings. How many of you need a new beginning in your life? A few of you anyway. Need something new in your life. I don't know when we say things like that, that we, you know, we could be religious with it. And we could say things that we're just trying to hype things up. But I believe there is something fresh and new. The word new, if you look it up in a dictionary, would simply mean this. Never been seen before. Never been done before. That's one definition of new. But if you go down a little bit further in the dictionary, you'll find another definition. It's always existed, but you're just getting to it. Think about that for a moment. I thought that was interesting. Because the reality is, if I wanted a new car, I'm not asking for one that's never been done before. And usually if I go find a new car, it's already been there. I'm just finding it. 
or I'm just getting into it, I'm experiencing it for the first time. Some of you may have in your lifetime or, or somewhere even recent. Hey, hey, you hear people talk like this. Have you been to that new restaurant on such and such corner in town? Well, I didn't even know it was there. Yeah, it's been there for a year. You've never experienced it, but it's been there for a year. It's been operating. Many others have been in it. But when you arrive into it, although it may have been there for a year, it may have been there for a few weeks, it may have been there for 10 years. If you encountered that thing for the first time, it is a new experience for you. I, I believe that there are new experiences that have never ever been, but I also believe there are things that God has always intended. It's been said, it's been ready, you just haven't caught up to it yet, and it's going to be new to you. I really believe that with all my heart. I believe there's new people. I believe there's new things for us to encounter as a church. I believe there's so many new things in the Lord that you and I ought to be expecting something fresh every day, looking for something new encounters, looking for God to meet us in a new way. I'm not just talking about in this building. I'm talking about in our life every where we go. So I want to talk to you this morning. I can't get away from this. I wrestled with it through the night. Through the, through the passage of scripture. We're just going to have to see how Holy Ghost brings it out. But I want to talk to you about growth pains. Because I believe we're going to encounter some. And we already are. And they all come. But I may not bring it like you may think this morning. So, But I, it's a good. I like the title. Growth pains. So I want you to look at this passage of scripture. Being confident of this very thing. That he that has begun a good work in you. Will complete it to the coming of the Lord. First of all there's a couple of things. I want us to look at this one passage alone. And I want us to define a couple of things. First of all the word confident. He said being confident. Having an inward Assurity. An inward assurity. There's just no question. You know, there's confident people in this room, and we've got a lot of people in this room that are not confident. And your confidence shows up in behaviors, it shows up in your activity, it shows up in a lot of ways. It's not that you can't do the assignment, can't do the job, can't get the work done, you're just not. Uh, I, it's just how many of you have ever said this I, I don't know if this is for me or not you've got the ability to do it you've got to cut you've got it but sometimes we're just not sure so so what happens we step into a place of hesitancy but Paul said it like this to the church at Philippi and he was he was dealing with the whole church at that time with all of its leaders, with everybody that was there, because Paul gave birth to this church, he founded this thing, and he they have been helping Paul, they have partnered with him, and Paul is sending a letter of thank you back to them, but in the meantime, he's addressing a couple of things, because in the process, there's been some issues that have rose up, and they they kind of had issues with one another. I'm not saying that's happening here. So don't anybody read into anything. I'm just telling you what happened there. And there were issues. But here was the big part. Whatever was going on. Paul recognized that it is stopping 
the move of the gospel from going forth. And so Paul is going to address it in a kind way so that they could move forward. And so Paul starts out about being confident. First thing that he said, I'm confident God's doing something. I don't know about you, but I am. I'm confident God is doing something. I had this conversation with a couple of preachers this week, especially Pentecostals. Now, if you come up like I did in Pentecostal church, there are times that we leave a service where I don't even know if God showed up. And you know what we measured that on? We measured that on our upbringing. We measured that on the fact that we didn't hoop and holler. We didn't get loud. We didn't shout and we didn't run the aisles. I've told you this a number of times of running into the guy after a service one night. And he says to me, did y'all have good church tonight? I thought, I think we always have good church. Some are better than others, but it's always good. That's the reality. And I thought, boy, that's a weird question for you to ask me. Did I have good church? Now, knowing them, I think this is where it come from. Did you guys run the aisles tonight? So when we run the aisles, we're doing good. I'm confident that God is in the house. But what about that moment that we're not running the aisles? What about that moment when we're not doing somersaults? What about that moment when it just doesn't feel like it did last week? Did God change? Did we change? Or was the reality that God may be doing something we've never felt or experienced before? I've often said this, God's too creative to make everything just alike. And if it was, one of us isn't needed. Hello, if we all looked alike, act alike, done the very same thing, then one of us isn't needed. And I plan on being the one that's needed. (laughs) Come on, you are too. But God in his creativity. And so Paul comes in. He said, guys, I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, besides of what you feel, God is up to something. I believe the word confident doesn't just mean to have an inward assurity. I also mean, believe it means to come to a place of rest. I am quitting striving to see God do something. If God said he's here, then he's in the room. If God said he's moving, then he's moving. I don't have to strive. Over the years, we've been great. Again, I'm not knocking anything. Please, this isn't anything about this church. Well, it is. It's about us. I want us to grow into everything that God's doing. But I believe we have to move from the place of striving to the place that we are resting in what God said. I'm resting in you, Lord. Well, I don't see it. That's just sometimes the way healing is. That's the way healing can come sometimes. You know you were already healed. You're not going to be healed. You already are. If we really want to preach the Bible right. If we really want to preach it right. You're already healed. Christ did it. Before he went to the cross. He took stripes upon your back. Took your sicknesses and disease in his own body. And he took them and he buried them in the tomb. He did that over 2,000 years ago. So you're already healed. 
So the issue isn't that God has to do something. The issue, can you and I be assured to rest? And when I say rest, that doesn't mean I don't do anything. That I just sit down and, well, if he wants me to have it. No, no, no. I get the strife out. Here's what strife will do to you. Strife will convince you you're either good enough or not good enough. Or you will have to do something in order to make it manifest. Hello? But I believe Paul was saying, I want you to rest in the fact that God is doing something. I, I tell him, I told, I was with my brother a few moments yesterday. I said, Bob, I'm quit praying for God to move. I don't, I don't ask him to move. I'm not asking him to move. He said he was moving. He said he was habitating. So what are you doing, pastor? I'm asking him how he wants me to respond to what he's doing. What do you want me to do, Jesus? What do you want me to do, Holy Ghost? What is your assignment in this place today? How do you want us to respond to that? I believe when we start doing it, and I'm not just talking about here. This is about everyday living. You need to be getting up and say, okay, Holy Ghost, I know you're with me today. <coughs> Now, you may have fell on the floor, rode all over the place yesterday, got up and you don't even feel born again. But I got news for you just so that you will know Holy Spirit didn't stay in the church. He didn't lock himself up till Wednesday. He went home with you even though you don't feel much. He is there with you. So when you get up, this got to be our response. Holy Spirit, thank you for being with me. What's our assignment today? Because he's not asking you to operate alone. He's wanting you to operate with him. We are partners with God. Hello? So Paul said, I'm confident that God has begun a good work. Wait a minute. Notice what he said. It's a beginning. It's a beginning. I've heard the prophets declare that revival and awakening are here. But we are in the very early stages of it. The very early stages of it. It's a beginning. Everybody say it's a beginning. But it's a good work. It's a great work. It's a God work. How do we define good through the scripture? I think if I look at something in a few moments, I'm going to go to lunch like you are. And I'm going to sit down and have something to eat. And I'm going to make a real quick decision whether it was good or not. A few years ago, I went to Africa. You reminded me of seeing Miss Moline over there. Me and Charlie went to Zimbabwe. And I realized something. She wanted us to experience the food from Africa. Because they do taste a little. They, they do fix it a little bit different than we have here. She was preparing us for it. Not that it was bad at all. It was different. I never experienced it. You know what I'm talking about. You've been to India. He got the typhoid whatever over there. But it's different. But I can go in a place and I can make a judgment and say, well, this isn't good. And I'm basing it upon a number of things. But how does God, when, when God says something's good, he's not comparing it 
to the move of yesterday. He's not comparing it to what you ate yesterday. He's not comparing it to the peach crop of last year. But when God says it's good, God is comparing it to himself. He says it's exactly the way I wanted it to be. And it's going to create and function in the very form that I intended it for it to work. He said it's good. Look at your neighbor and say this move of God is good. But then I, I, I just got it. If you'll let me use this picture and this scripture. And I'm going to pull it a little bit. Not change it. Not twist it. But I believe this is what the Lord's saying. He said something this to me. He said he that has begun a good work in you. Wait a minute. Notice where he said the work was. It's in me. Wait a minute. This thing is locked up in me. It's locked up in you. If you're not seeing what you want to see, friend, it may not be anything that we're doing. I don't think I could dance good enough for you anyway. But here's the reality. It may not be in my song and dance, but it might be in you. And God is waiting upon you to open up your heart and yield to it and say, God, I'm ready to flow into everything that you have for me. May I declare to you, there's a couple of things here. I believe in this good work. Of what it is. Because we're all trying to define. what What is it pastor? What are you talking about? Here's what I really believe. I believe the good work is you. I believe you're the thing that God has always wanted. I believe you're the thing. You are a good work of God. Every person in this room. I don't care how old you are. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what you've been into. I don't care what your life is like right now. You are a good work of God. Oh pastor. But you don't know where I'm at pastor. You don't know what my life is like. Wait a minute. You need to understand something. Remember there's a beginning. When God starts something, he's already finished. You and I always look from the finish line. Like that little baby. My little grandson Maverick sitting over here. He's what, 16 months, 17 months, something now. He's gotten bigger. He's getting teeth in his mouth. His hair's gotten uh, longer. They've already had it cut. Got a little tail in the back. His personality is, is showing up in everywhere. But he didn't start out that way. But you and I have to understand, we're on the beginning. But God was on the end. When God put him in the womb of, of, of what's her name? Alexis. When God put him in the womb of Alexis, God wasn't seeing the cute little maverick with the black hair that you and I, goo goo, as I walked through the room, several of you said, oh, look at that beautiful baby. God wasn't looking from the beginning. God is looking at us from the end. And he has already defined who we really are. See, that's why some of you, I know you may, your life may be a mess right now. There may be issues in your life, but you need to know that you are a good work of God. And may I tell you, as a church, we need to get back to our true responsibility of telling people who they are in Christ. Not how wicked, not how vile. You mean, Pastor, I can't, I can't name sin? Listen, yeah, there's a moment that we will deal with sin. We always will. But if I condemn them before I ever convince them of who they really are, they will feel hopeless and helpless and walk away instead of running in. Hello. 
I believe you're the good work. Look at your neighbor say you're the good work. Listen, and in that good work, notice something else. He said, he will complete it. Which now you, you, you better hang on because I'm, remember I'm talking about everybody say growth pains. Growth pains. Because sometimes you're, you're encountering pains and it's nothing more than growth. That God is bringing you to. Remember he said I will complete this. To the coming of Jesus. Has Jesus returned yet? No. He hadn't in the day that Paul spoke that. So this thing is ever. Ever evolving. So that means this. You may start one way. But as you grow. You may find yourself in something else. That you never dreamed. Wait a minute. I thought this was my plan. Think about it with me. For just, are we all right? See, I really believe there's, we're, we're, we're looking. I, I told somebody yesterday, I said, you know what? We've gotten, we've gotten more excited about the move of God than we have the God of the move. And we're, that's one of the reasons we struggle with what we do sometimes. Because we make it, we got to have a move instead of just being in the presence of Jesus. I love it when the kids come around. But I see my kids evolving and growing. And things are changing. Because see, I believe all of us need to look. Here's, here's another. Not only am I a good work, but my family is a good work. And so is your family. And if you think you can bypass your family for the sake of the ministry or for the sake of the move of God... You're going to lose your family trying to have a move of God. Hello. Family. Everybody say family. It's important. And we need to pursue our families. I hear pastors. I, I, over the years, when my boys were smaller, of course, Jay Stacy <coughs> is what, 10 years between Stace and, and Jared. I don't know what is, but people would see my two boys and they'd always ask me something like this. Are, are those boys going to be your, are, are those boys going to be your little prophets? And I would say something like this always, not unless God called them to be. Because I wasn't going to put them on the altar of ministry to make them something that I, God, had called me to do. But he allowed me to not overlook my family. And I think my family would say to me. I believe I hope they could say this. That I have given my heart my life to my family. They know I love them dearly. But I will not sacrifice my family for anything. But pastor what about that scripture that says. He's not asking you to throw your family to the fire. But he's asking you to build your family. See it's a good work that God's doing. You need to see your family. God, God you're doing something in my family. But pastor this is going. Quit saying that and start saying what God is doing. God's doing something in my family. He's work, But my husband's a joke. Quit saying that. And declare what God has said. My kids are gone mad. Quit saying that. And say God is working in my children. To bring about his purpose and his life. See not only that is our family. But see here comes our church. These are aspects of our life. 
Because I believe our church, the church is what we're to be a part of. It's, it's more than just family. It's a living organism. It's a living. It's, a, it's, a, it's the body of Christ that we're coming together to be the church. We call this shell of a building. We call it the church. It's nothing more than a building. But the church is sitting in the pews. It's you and I. And I have to believe that God is working in His church. And in the process of working in His church... Believe it or not, then the move of God begins to unfold because it goes out of here. And now we step into our workplace. We step into our world. We step everywhere I go. And I've got to believe that God has positioned each one of us right where we are for a kingdom purpose. And if we would quit looking at it as labor and just look at it and say, God, why do you have me here? What's my kingdom assignment in this place? And it may not be to crawl up on the cabinet or Crawl up on your desk and say, hey, everybody, I want you to know I'm a child of God. And if you don't get right, you're on your way to hell. It may not be any of that. But it may be there to love the unlovable, to care for the hurting, the broken, the bruised, and the shattered around you. But you also may be there for the wisdom of God to be to unfold into that business that would bring blessing to the business. But not only that, but bring blessing to you. We go and we begin to touch our world. So it's ever evolving. And I said that to say to all of you. Me and Diane, when we were in our dating years. Spent a lot of time. We were both devoted. We really were. That was one of the things I think that drew us to each other. We'll celebrate 46 years a week from Friday. No, a week from Saturday. On the 20th. And, and it drawed us together. It drawed us together. It was the devotion and the heart for God. She told me I wasn't that. She told me I wasn't that. Wasn't all that in a bag of chips. It was my heart for God. <laughs> But you know what we talked about family? We talked about one time I did. I think, correct me if I'm wrong. Talked like, you know, we're going to have like 10 kids. I thought, Lord, what was wrong with me? <laughs> After I matured a little bit. But I didn't stay there. We talked about missions. We talked about a lot of things that we wanted to do. An orphanage. Talked about it. We talked many, many things back there. We were talking them in our youthfulness. We had sight for one thing. We were moving. But then we started evolving as we married and we become husband and wife. Now all of a sudden something began to change. Here's a young guy that, that was working for the power company. And the next thing I know, we served in the church. That's all we did all of our life. And, and then I, I, one Sunday morning, my brother's preaching. He stands and he resigns to church. And he says, "Tomorrow, next week, this is your new pastor. And the church is put in my hand. That's how I started pastoring nearly 40 years ago. Yeah, thank the Lord. But I want to tell you, it was tough. It wasn't easy. It was rough. It was rough. But I'm, I, I never, you know, I felt ministry, but I didn't know where it was going to lead me. I didn't know what it was going to do. But then we worked at it together. Diane had to become the piano player. We had to be everything. She was our keyboardist, song leader. She'd done it all and didn't know how to play. 
Till her mom taught her a few things. She knew how to play some. But her mom gave her enough chords to lead us out. And to help her. To strengthen her. Until God could make a way to give us some, some help. I want you to see there are stages that you go through. In your life you say, but this wasn't my plan. But it's where we are. It's what God begins to do. As God begins to orchestrate in your life. May I say some of you may have dreams way back there. You, you know what? I'm going to travel the world like I was talking about with missions. I remember we talked about it a lot. But I've got to go a whole lot more than Diane. Not because it's not her desire to go. We had these kids. We don't do them like our dogs. We didn't put them in kennels. Come on, I'm serious. But you see, if you don't see the purpose of God right, what you're going to do is miss a great ministry. Because some of you feel like because you're not doing what I do or somebody else is doing, I don't have much of a ministry. Mama, you that got babies, you that are still growing your children, I'm telling you, you're in the biggest ministry that you can be in. It's teaching them and loving them in the things of God's kingdom. I want to say to us as parents, we're going to plan to have, and we are, we got a great children's program now, but we're planning on it being even better. We've been talking to Noel. She's excited. I'm excited. And listen to this. But the church program was never designed to take your children and mold them. The church program is designed to help inspire and instill and enforce what you're already teaching them. Hello, dad, you're wasting time if you're coming saying, I want my son to be a part of the church and you don't come. You're wasting time, parents, if you're trying to tell them to do righteously and you're doing everything in their eyes. Because they're not going by what you say, they're going by what they see. And evidently your actions are telling them that what you're doing is more important than what you're telling them. Are we okay? I told you I didn't know how this was all going to unfold. But we have to realize that. As we get older, life changes. Tom Keller called me up a num number of years ago. I'll just use him. Pastor, I want you to know things change. That's true. How many of you older ones in the house could say, I can't do now what I did when I was 20? That's not a bad confession. I'm just making. It changed, didn't it? It changed, didn't it? Man, I'd hate to know I'd have to run a marathon right now. I can't even run across the room. <laughs> but life changed. I, I, I hope you're catching he that begun a good work and where I'm at, even though a change may come, doesn't mean that I have that I have fallen, that I have failed because the intention of everything is not what I do. And please hear what I'm going to tell you, because the central theme of what Paul is going to say to the church at Philippi, it's not you, it's not what you're doing, but it's Jesus being magnified in the midst of you. It's Jesus being seen in your life and in everything that you're doing. That's why he said, it's for me to live as Christ, but to die is gain. 
let me hurry up and get this jet down real quickly. He said, this is going to keep working until the day of the Lord. So you need to just keep expecting things to change. But it doesn't mean that God's quit on you or you're out of the plan of God. I thought about something when I was in Atlanta. Me and Diane and the kids went down with Chad and Alexis. And y'all know we were there a couple months ago. That place was jam-packed with 13,000 kids. From the age, I believe the age was from 12 to 18, something like that. That was the main age bracket. And I watched those kids, Matt. As a matter of fact, a few times I had tears in my eyes. I said, these guys want God. I watched Reggie Dabbs give an altar call on a platform that was probably maybe about three quarters of this auditorium. And when he gave an altar call, he invited these kids that wanted Jesus to come and climb on the stage with him. And I don't think you could probably put but just a few more kids up there if you could even put that. Not all of them got to the platform because they were hungry for God. And I'm sitting there thinking because my granddaughter's with me. And I'm watching her and I'm watching the rest of our kids and there's nothing more that I want as a parent that I want to see my kids come to know Jesus. I want them to walk full in the power of the Holy Ghost. But I realize something. I can be selfish. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. Moms and dads, there's going to come a day that you and I are going to have to suck some things up. And I'm going to put it in the world's vernacular and say, I'm getting ready to exit. But my kids are here. And I'm going to make sure that I pour everything in to this next generation. I am not leaving a thing. I want them excited about Jesus. I want them on top. I want them full of life. And the only way that we can do that, we have to start that now. By pouring into them and encouraging them to move to the front. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about starting to lead. Starting to take over. Over. Are you okay? That's just preacher stuff. That's probably saying, Am I okay? It really is. It's like the preacher that says, Amen, after every third word. Same stuff. It really is. Same stuff. Sad note is, I was in a place having coffee yesterday. A man that I knew from years past walked up and said hello to me. I said, Dude, how you doing? He said, man, how long you been here? I told him, I said, we're getting ready to celebrate 25 years. He said, man, is it that long? Has it been that long? Yeah. Yeah, it's been that long. I said, how you been doing? He said, I'm doing great. He said, well, we just got a new pastor. He thought 25 years was eternity. He said, our church changes pastors every five, four or five years. I said, wow, that's crazy. I said, what church do you belong to? He told me. I said, how's it going? He said, we have nothing but old people. Sorry. He said, we don't have anything but senior citizens. You know what's getting ready to happen? It's going to close. It's going to close. I don't care how much they're good they're going to do. It's going to close. Because the breeding of new life, the change... And the flow, somebody didn't make a decision to say, wait a minute, I got to function different. It's not that God has left me. My function now becomes different than I got to push and I got to encourage and pour myself into a Timothy, into somebody else that's younger than me. If not, everything shuts down. Man, this is really going different than I planned. 
But maybe somebody needs to hear it. Somebody needs to hear Paul said. Paul was saying to them, we got to be confident that he that has began a good work is going to complete it. I even when I'm praying for the church, I pray like this. Lord, you brought me here 25 years ago, but I've got news for you. It didn't start when I got here. It started way before I ever come. And it started with the previous administration, with the previous pastor, and maybe if he was the founder of whatever it was. But I come in and say, God, I agree with what you started years ago to do here on this corner or to do through this church because I wouldn't have been here if it wasn't for that. That's the way I got. I didn't even realize I was planning on getting on jet planes every weekend and traveling, getting a big check like we give to people and then go home and play golf or go fish and then do it again on the weekend. And God sends me to Cape. Drive through Cairo, Illinois, Olive Branch. Oh my goodness. Nowhere to stop, hardly to even get a Coke. And God said, this is your travel. I didn't realize what God was doing. So I've been saying, God, I agree with what you started back there. I agree with what you've put in our heart that we've let go of. God, and I've repented over that and said, God, stir it up again. But I'm also agreeing, God, I'm agreeing with what you're doing right now, even in the moments when I don't understand it. We need to quit singing songs like, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, come Lord Jesus. Because most of the time we lie. We don't mean it. We'll say, come do it, Lord. But when he does it and it's different and it's out of our box or don't look like our bag of tea. Danny, who would have ever dreamed that you and Miss Marilyn would have left the crawdad country of Louisiana and made your way to the mosquito-infested plains of Missouri? What a trade. At least you got to eat them. They're eating you up here. Who would have ever dreamed that? Who would have ever dreamed some of the changes and the things have gone on? But it's the Lord's doing. Oh, I got I to shut the jet down. And then he went on to pray. Just says, it's right for me to think of you, of all this, because I have, have you in my heart. And as much as both in my chains and in defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. Think about this for a moment. Paul is talking to them from prison, chained up. And he said, you're free, but I'm in prison. I don't want to be here, but I know I'm here by the grace of God. You know what sustained him was knowing that he was right where God wanted him to be, even in the midst of his chain. Then he went on to say, for God is my witness, how greatly I long for you with all affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent and that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Being filled with all the fruits of righteousness. Which are, which are by Christ Jesus. Notice what he said. He didn't say. And he said they're by Christ Jesus. Paul said this. I pray that you grow in love. In the love for God. God I want to love you more. God I want to love your ways more. I want to love your things more. So that listen. That we will grow in knowledge and in discernment. In knowledge and discernment. 
Because if I'm not careful, I can have a love for God, but don't have a clue what God is doing. But when I grow in knowledge, God, I want to love you and I want to know, God, I want to know your way so much more. But not only that, I want to be able to discern what I need to be doing in the moment. A few years, a few months ago, the Lord spoke something to me. I brought it out on a Wednesday night. He said, less is more. I thought, okay, God, what are you talking about? Less is more. Notice, we changed a few things. I feel like, unless just God's moving, we're not going to try to just have an hour worship service. To be here all day. Unless God's in it. But just for us to do it, to strive to get somewhere. Because I believe God is saying, I want you to get in the word. And then I want you to give your people an opportunity to minister to people in the gifts of the Holy Ghost. And we're trying to get front to our back to front. We're going to worship God. We're going to flow. But we're going to let God move. Not that he can't move there. But he didn't say I confirm the worship. He said I confirm the word. Right? That's the word. I'm going to. But pastor. But God's not. He said I'll confirm the word. And the thing that's going to get you through the storm, the thing that's going to get you through is the word. So I've got, Lord, I'm in love with you. I just want to follow you, God. I want to know what you're doing. Didn't notice something else. He said that we may prove everything that is excellent. I believe everything that is God and that you may be sincere and without offense. Two things I believe is so needed in this moment of time is that we keep ourselves as pure as we can. And when I say pure, I'm talking about get out of sin and stay out of it. Because here's what it will do. Remember, you're a good work. Remember, you're a good work. God is looking at you in the finish, not in the beginning. But you will disqualify yourself. Notice what I'm You will feel disqualified because of your sin. I blew it, God. How can I come and worship you? How many start your day by... I'm going to... Don't answer but how many of you start your day out in worship or you start your day out in forgive, asking God to forgive you? I found myself a lot of times getting up, Lord, forgive me. What did I do? Because see, I've got that sinful failure mindset that tells me I'm really unworthy to walk and receive everything that he has for me. That's what sin will always do. It will tell you you're unworthy. It will convince you you're un- I can't do this. I can't be. I can't even receive. That's why we go to God instead of saying, God, I'm, I believe you. And I put my faith in you. We go in. We try to convince him. Why, but Lord, I've been a good boy over the last six weeks. But sin will always convince you of unworthiness. And that's not how God sees you. Remember the elder son? Look at the younger son. What did he do? He goes in. This is what he comes back. I'm no longer worthy. That wasn't father's idea. And matter of fact, father didn't look at him as a prodigal. The writer wrote that in. We've wrote that in. The father said, my son whom is dead has now come home. He never acknowledged him as anything less than being a son. And then he said, keep yourself free from offense. 
In other words, keep yourself free. Get yourself out. Make sure there's no unforgiveness. Make sure that offense, because what's it going to happen? It'll block the flow of your anointing. It'll block the flow of the anointing. It'll break the flow. Holy Spirit can't move because it's not his nature. Remember, so that the fruits of righteousness. I'm, I'm done. Come, come quickly. Come quickly. That way, the quicker you get up here, the quicker I get done. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they all know that's a lie, right? <laughs> then, then Paul spoke two things. Philippians chapter 2. I'll skip over and this is going to be the last verse. He said, let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But made of himself of no reputation. Taking on the form of a servant and coming into the likeness of men. Two things you need to understand. One, Jesus had to learn to be as much man as you and I have to learn to be a son. I want you to think about that. He had to learn to be a man. He was God. He was God. But he had to learn to be a man. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 5, I believe it's verse 8. He learned through the things that he suffered. And that word suffering could be taken in a lot of different ways. But you need to understand something. When he left heaven, can you imagine? Can you imagine being God? Having everything, never never encountering what pain, hardship, heartache, anything. But the moment he left the gates of heaven and passed through the heavens, suffering entered into his flesh. But he had to be, a, he had to learn to be a man, yet in obedience to the Father. And you and I have to learn to be a son and be spiritual. And he gives us two ways it goes about. Two ways. The first one is this. It's not wrong to be like your father. It's acceptable. It's acceptable. Those are my kids. When Jordan came into my family, he came in as one of us. Samuel. Jason. Nor Lucy. What's the other? Maverick. Did I leave any out? JC. Stacy. Chad. Jared. <laughs> they have a right to carry my name. They have a right to say I'm. He said it's not robbery to be equal with God. I'm a, he's a debtweiler, but he has every right in the world to say I'm a strong. Because he's a part of us. Think about that for a moment. He didn't just marry my daughter. He married all of us. He may not wanted us, but he got us. Same thing in your family, dude. For every one of us in this room. He taught it. You got to come to this place and say it's all right. Religion tells you you're not good enough. Religion tells you because of where you are, the mistakes, the junk you've got going on. You're, I'm going to tell you something. You may not believe this. You are a son whether you're in sin or not. You're a son whether you're absolutely pure or not. You're a son of God. You just really don't know that. What is redemption about? Redeeming us back to original form. 
Miss, what's your name over here is going to do a class, I believe, soon in the coming, that's going to talk about the original design. I was always designed to be the son of God. My wife will tell you when me and my brother Bobby get together, we were together yesterday at a funeral, went to a restaurant. He knew the owner. And the restaurant owner said, that's your brother. And both of us went like this. Oh, I'm the better looking one. Same time, because we've gotten into that. Every, I'm the better looking one of the family. Because we have a right to be sons. Here's the second thing that it took. He had to become from spirit to become man. And you and I got to go from man to being spirit. It takes humility. He humbled himself. Takes humility. Boy, that, that's not humility, is it weakness? Humility isn't falling on the ground and slithering like a worm. Humility is just acknowledging that there's a greater one than I. And that there are others than I. That I am not the only thing. Paul said that we're to look on each other. We're to esteem one another highly. We're to look out for each other. We're to want to see each other succeed. If you don't succeed, I don't succeed. And if I don't, you're not. Because we're in this thing together. But it's humility. And the moment he humbled himself, this is what the word said. God highly exalted. The moment he went down, God said, I'm bringing you up. And notice the second thing that happened. He said, I'm giving you a name that is above every name. Now I'm going to cause you to walk in a place of authority that you would have never walked in had I not brought you up and given you this name. Because it happens, you have an, you have an authority you'll never get to. He highly exalted him, gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven, of things in the earth, and things under the earth. In other words, you and I need to understand something. As sons, think about that for a moment. When Jesus walked in, all of heaven stands, all the angels stand at attention. Let me blow your mind. So does it with you. When you walk in as a son, all of the angels stand at attention, just like Jesus did. That things in heaven and things in the earth, the things that are bound troubling us, you and I, are supposed to have authority over them. We rule the earth. And the things under the earth are those fallen demonic spirits that it's talking about, that you and I have authority over. That at that name of Jesus, every tongue will confess that he's Lord. Our growing pain sometimes is just us being repositioned. We're still in the good work. God's just doing some things. We're, don't, don't put all of your eggs in one basket and say, this is the only thing I can do. I've been telling Larry, went from fighting fires to tying hair bows with Tina. Who would have ever thought about that? Don't limit your... But, 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 this is all I can... No. God is always working as long as you've got breath and you're on this planet. 
God is still working in your life.